Dear Heavenly Father, how can we come to even begin to hope in the future when we all seem to have such a, a future in front of us here, especially many of the young ones, Father, who have their future in front of them. But Father, there's nothing more certain, nothing more real than the coming world. That's the thing that is so certain. Please, Father, open the eyes of our heart today. Please speak your word and cause us to be affected, Father, by the things that Christ speaks about. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, there's the message titled, Sons of God or Children of God or Children of the Resurrection. And you'd have to say, what a beautiful, beautiful title to be able to walk around to each other today and say, Brother, you are a son of God or sister, you are a daughter of God and a daughter of the resurrection. Such incredible language. So, can you imagine a world without weddings? Anyone here? Can you imagine? It's pretty hard to imagine a world without weddings, especially... I mean, I don't know about guys, but I know it's common for young girls and teenage girls to want to get married. It's pretty normal. And we look forward to marriage. So what about a world with no marriage? What about a world with no funerals? How do we feel about that? Is that a good world? No funerals means no deaths, which means we don't need to get married. Yeah, future world, you don't need to get married. At least you're listening. That's really good and I'll explain it. Excellent. Not straight away though because I've got to keep you now on the edge of your seats so that we get to it. So, a future world doesn't have marriage and it doesn't have death. And straight away, our minds can't actually come to that. Can anybody remember seeing a movie recently or in the last 20 or 30 years, that someone made up that had a future resurrection of an entire creation without any sin, evil or death. Has anybody ever seen a movie like that? Has anybody ever seen a movie where there's a sequel and in the sequel Superman or Batman has to fight another battle? See, our minds actually can't go beyond this world. So the best that movies can do is actually direct a movie where the future is another war and another battle and another hero. Our minds can't actually go to a future world without any fighting or any wars or any battles or any funerals or any weddings. What does that tell you about our reasoning, our thinking? It means that our thinking is actually locked into this world and we have trouble actually thinking about a future world. So kids today and teenagers today, if you struggle with this message, you're struggling with me. It's very hard to actually comprehend this. Now who's heard of C.S. Lewis? Well, C.S. Lewis said this, Hope is one of the theological virtues. This means that a continual looking forward to the eternal world is not as some modern people think a form of escapism or wishful thinking, but one of the things a Christian is meant to do. 
How about that? It doesn't mean that we leave this world but we're looking forward to the future world. He then says those in history who have had the most impact on this present world have been those who have looked forward the most to the future world. So hope is very important. Now if I went around to your houses or came and met with you and I said to you, I want you to remove all of your emotions and all of your affections out of your heart and your body. Could you do that? You couldn't. So if I went around to you and you were very kind to me and we sat down for coffee and a a cup of tea or whatever it is you drink and I said, tell me what makes your heart tick? What makes your heart go kaboom, kaboom? What do you look forward to? Some of you might say chocolate cake. Some of you might say home and away. No. Some of you might say this, some of you might say that. And if you came to my home on a Sunday afternoon during the football season and the West Tigers were playing, you would see sometimes what makes my heart tick. For some reason, I think my football team's going to win. So I sit down there expecting them to win. Is that hope or wishful thinking? But the point is, we have affections. We have emotions and you want to be satisfied with them and I want to be satisfied with them and we look forward to things and is there anything wrong with looking forward to the end of the year? How many of you are excited that school's going to end at some stage this year? Yeah. How many are disappointed? Not many. So we're always looking forward to the future to something to affect our hearts. Well, the Sadducees who came to ask Jesus about the resurrection were actually trying to trick him. It's fascinating when people want to trip you up. Have you ever had someone want to trip you up and they ask a very speculative question to see if they can find a fault with you? Well, that's what they were doing. They were not genuine and sincere and as you can see on your screen, they denied the resurrection. What that means is this. Their minds could not actually think of anyone rising from the dead and not only that, they did not even believe there was a resurrection of the dead. In other words, their mind and their heart was completely fixed on this world and this age. What is worldliness? Worldliness is to not be able to think about anything else but things in this world and this age. And it means that you're bound, enslaved and chained to the things of this world in such a way that you can't not think about them. You can't think beyond it. And so they ask Jesus a rather silly question. They go to Moses and they say, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies having a wife but no children the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers, so they really exaggerate here. The first took a wife and died without children. The second and third took her and likewise all seven left no children and died. Afterwards, the woman also died in the resurrection. Therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had her as her wife. 
So even when they have a pretend question and an insincere question and they start to talk about the resurrection, what are they doing? They're taking what they know of this world and they're trying to put it onto the future world. Their minds actually cannot even for one moment do anything but regurgitate that which is old here. And I think we're seeing that in movies. There aren't overly too many original movies. How many Supermans, Batmans and Spidermans have there been? Too many to count. We tend to just keep regurgitating everything that is old and we try to make it new. What Jesus is saying is this. The future age is a completely new world. So his answer to them was this. And here we come to the answer of that original question. And Jesus said to them, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy to attain to the age to come in the resurrection from the dead, notice that, the resurrection of the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage for they cannot die anymore because they are equal to angels and as sons of God being sons of the resurrection. So why is there no more marriage in the future world? Can anybody answer that question? Have a go. Yeah? That's right. Great answer. Well done. So, where there are no more deaths, there are no more marriages. So, what an unbelievable answer because the reason we marry in this age is because when people die, they leave vacancies on earth. And so, marriage is about having children and populating the earth. So, in the world to come, every boy, every girl, every man or woman who's ever trusted in Jesus Christ will be there in that future world and God's perfect number of children will be there. Not one will be missing. So we'll never need to marry because as Jesus said, what stunning words, for they cannot die anymore. So creation has a goal and when we reach that goal, Sorry to tell some of you here who have got families coming, I won't mention names, but you won't be married to the person next to you any longer and they won't have to have any children. I see some great smiles there saying hallelujah. Um, That's not what I was looking for. Uh, The point is this, the father has a set amount of children a perfect amount and they're going to rise from the dead and they're going to be called children of God and children of the resurrection. And lo and behold, we're going to be visible to one another. So you're going to see me and you're going to recognise me and I'm probably going to have some hair because Jesus says I'm going to make all things new and I'm going to look at you and I'm going to recognise you and you're going to have a face and you're going to have a body And that body can never die ever again. And there'll be no more pain. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more mourning. There'll be no more suffering. 
And all the animals will be there. And angels will be there. And you'll wake up in the morning and you won't have a fly screen because there'll be no mozzies and there'll be no flies and birds will sit on your, on your fly screen and chirp and you'll wake up and you'll see angels and there will be Jesus. I'm using my imagination with a little bit of truth in all of that. But do you know that's the most certain thing in all the world? Martin Luther never spoke about going to heaven. He didn't like that word. He said, there's a future world coming. Just listen to this. There is a future world coming. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming and it's coming very soon. It's going to be, on a, it's going to be upon us at any moment. It's the most certain thing in all the world is the future world and the resurrection of the body. And we so have trouble believing that because if you're like me, there are some pretty good things here on this earth, aren't there? And we like this earth, but what's actually meant to happen is we actually know the future that's coming to us. It's meant to actually free our hearts and free our minds to see everything in this earth as a gift. So let me give you an example. My identity is bound to Jesus Christ and his resurrection. So when you try to get to know me, one of the things that's impossible is to fully get to know me because my identity is eternal. Does that make sense? It's eternal. Your identity is eternal. You don't even fully know who you are yet. We don't know that yet. We know it in part. But here's an example. I can't find my identity in my wife because my identity is found in who? In Jesus, in the resurrection from the dead. That means I'm now free to receive my wife as a gift from God in this age. And that means you can study science, you can study economics, you can actually look at everything in the world and you can say to your newborn baby, this is a gift from God and I'm not going to find my identity in my children. Do you understand what it is to not be an idolater? What I'm trying to say is if you're trying to find your identity in this world, you have a different God to the God of the resurrection. See, God is the God of the living. He's the God of Abraham. He's the God of Isaac. He's the God of Jacob. And if you can hear these words this morning, God actually says, I am your God and I am your Father in Jesus Christ. Put your name next to Abraham. Put your name next to Jacob. And we, we think they're legends because they're written down in history. But God says this morning, I am your God and I am your Father in Jesus Christ and everything that I am is God. Everything that I am is God and everything that I am is Father, I am that to you in the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything. So we, when we actually understand that the world to come is a gift, we actually become a gift to one another. I'm going to just speak to people in the church who are a bit older now, but if you can listen, you're doing well. In churches, 
there are sometimes two or three pastors and really immature Christians say, I'm going to align myself with this pastor. I don't particularly like that one. Now, Paul actually says, everybody is a gift to everybody in the family of God. We are actually gifts to one another. Now we have a new pastor coming. He is God's gift to us in Jesus Christ. But we are actually God's gift to one another in Jesus Christ. We are all gifts to one another. And so a friend of mine who baptised his own son actually at his baptism said, this is my brother. Do you understand that? Why could he say to his son in the baptism, this is my brother? Does anybody know? Because in eternal life, is it really going to be his son? No, in eternal life, it's really going to be his brother. So, when I've discussed the possibility of my wife dying before me and being at her funeral, I said, I will go from saying, this is my wife, to this is my sister. This is our sister. And so everything I'm saying here is so hard to comprehend because this is the future world that Jesus is talking to us about. And I'll finish with this. Those who are made worthy to attain to the future age are the sons of God and the sons of the resurrection. They've been baptised into Jesus' death and baptised into his resurrection. They cannot die but are equal with angels. And let me try and explain equal to angels. One theologian says, in heaven at the moment there are angels and there are believing saints. And those believing saints and angels worship God with divine and glorious joy. Their affections are holy and pure. They love God and they adore Him without any trace of selfishness, sin or evil. Can you imagine worshipping and loving both God in the most pure affections with no trace of sin, no trace of evil. That's what it will be like for us because the angels stand before God and they go, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. And brothers and sisters, our life is that which is now hidden in Christ with God. For you have died. And just take the word your life and just say your identity is at this moment in time actually unseen. And if you kids at school are going through what I used to go through at school, peer pressure or what you go through in church, peer pressure, it means that people are calling your identity into question. They have a go at you. They use words. They use language. They look down upon you. They compete with you. And then in the church, Satan operates in identity theft. He comes and he tells us about the facts of our sin, doesn't he? 
confirmation class. He doesn't tell us about the truth of our sins because the truth about our sins is what? They have been forgiven. And so people come with facts and they tell you facts about your life. But the Father in Jesus Christ, He tells you the truth. And He says that when Jesus Christ appears, you're going to appear with Him and as He looks at Jesus Christ, He's going to look at you and He can't tell the difference. And that's how it is now. And so don't believe the looks that people give you. Don't believe the words that people say against you. Believe what God says about you as sons of the resurrection, as sons in Jesus Christ, because when He appears, you're going to appear with Him and when you appear with Him, you're going to go, was I always like this? And when I say to you, you're under peer pressure, Everyone who speaks a word against you uses their reasoning. God doesn't use reasoning. God speaks to you. He says, you have died. Your life is hidden in Christ. So brothers and sisters, the only thing I can conclude with is this. Ignore everyone but what God says about you. Listen to what he says. Because everybody else is going to tell you a lie. He's the God of Abraham, he's the God of Isaac, he's the God of Jacob and he's the God and Father of you. And he says to you today, you are clean, you are righteous, you are pure, you are forgiven and you are sons and daughters of the resurrection. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen.